Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. So what is slowing you down? The journey of creating music can be full of obstacles, uh, but it's important to acknowledge and face them head on. Uh, Whether you're an experienced producer or just starting out on today's episode, we'd like to explore the various hurdles in music production and take a look at some creative solutions uh, to conquer them. Many of the problems that producers uh, have to overcome are both mental and technical. And in today's episode, we'd like to explore some essential tips for music producers who are struggling out there, uh, whether it be with finishing your tracks, uh, creative block, or just mixing and mastering. Uh, We're gonna get into it today. So welcome to episode 57 of the Make Music Income podcast. I'm here with my bud, Eric Copeland of makemusicincome.com. And I am Stevie B uh, from productionmusicacademy.com. And uh, yeah, how's it going, man? How's, uh, How's your week been? It's going good. Um, I have just finished a couple different masterminds this week, which went really well. Uh, in the composing mastermind, we're talking about, we talked this week about com- different kinds of, uh, we really, in the composing mastermind, we, we talked about the most um, obtuse song that you've ever written. We tried to find really <laughs> artsy, non-commercial use songs. And so that was fun to hear what everybody was doing. And then in the Make Music Income Mastermind, we talked about um, just a lot of music. Everybody's into something different, like uh, business-wise. And so we talked a lot about uh, starting websites and building your website as a producer and some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, kind of, but more so um, uh, tips for um, different kinds of music income, which is obviously what we focus on in there, but we still listen to music and we had a great time doing that today. So both are international things. We've got people all around the globe in these things. So it's very cool to have these things going on. Um, I am still in the midst of delivering both. Uh, well, uh, I'm in the midst of delivering to one library, this new, um, uh, album of, uh, percussion music and so that is about to we're just trying to dot all the t's this is the first time working with this library so they have different rules than other libraries i've been part of so you know just getting in those initial papers and once you're you've done an album with them you don't have to go through the whole writer's thing so because they you know they i know it might be seem weird but they want to find out how to pay you steve and uh so little things little things like what is your pro and what is your ipi number you know just little things that you might want to give them in case someone wants to pay for your music so yeah yeah um getting all that together and i have two different co-writers in nashville that were part of several of the tracks two drummers and and so they're they're trying to get their information in which is not easy because you know, uh, session players are used to doing one thing, showing up and getting paid uh, for a gig. And so the thought of down the road income is a little foreign to them. They're not used to it because it's not something that they've normally done. They've normally done upfront income, you know, where they get paid the day of right. for, for gigs. Right. So having to file all these papers are a little foreign to them and, and getting convincing them to, to, to do this, you know, is 
is a trick. But anyway, we're, we're, we're going down that road. And uh, then on two days ago, my country album came out on uh, my other library. And so hopefully some of those songs will start tr matriculating into uh, catalogs <laughs> and getting on TV shows and things like that. And so uh, hopeful for that. Um, let's see what else has been going on. Um, jumping into logic this week and teaching. Um, I'm also teaching somebody how to use uh, GarageBand, which is almost exactly like teaching logic. Uh, if you're on a PC or I mean on a Mac book or a Mac mini or something and you're dealing with um, with GarageBand, it looks exactly like logic. It's pretty much almost no different. The, it uses the same sounds and there's just, uh, it, it uses the same key commands. It's almost exactly the same. Logic light. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so I'm, I'm kind of telling everybody about that. I think I'm going to do a video on it soon uh, on one of my channels, just talking about, hey, if you don't have if you have a Mac and you don't have logic, you have logic, you know? And so, uh, yeah, and you can so record it, right? Like you can hook it up to a microphone and do, sure. and yeah, you can do a lot of the basic functions that you can. Same thing, three ch channels, an audio channel, a MIDI channel, or a, I mean, a, an instrument channel or a drummer track. And it works exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I know, cause I teach logic. I'm teaching it this week at school. And then I've t taught GarageBand is the exact same thing. All the key commands are the same. Right. Oh, loops are still there. Instruments are still there. So it's it's very similar. Yeah. So uh, doing that and uh, also trying to uh, push myself into some other areas of composition. I have a weekend where I'm going to have some time here at the house to really work on some stuff. So I'm going to really be pushing into some different territories to try to finish up some songs, but also to write and start some new compositions maybe from some different directions rather than the normal directions. I'm in a very artistic, a need for artistic uh, mode right now rather than write for uh, job mode. And uh, so that's probably where I'm gonna be focusing a little bit as a composer, really focusing a little <clears throat> bit more on writing from my, my gut and my heart rather than writing to any kind of a brief even though I do have briefs I'm writing too as well, but I need that balance of artisticness, artistical. I don't even artistical. know how to say it. Is that a word? Art artistry. Artistical. I need that artistic, um, uh, creative slant in it, and and so that means I got to come at it from a different direction, not necessarily just, you know, writing to the brief and and writing four bars and eight bars and four bars and eight bars. So yeah. Anyway, that's what I'll be doing. Uh, and that's what's going on with me. How about you? What's, what's your week been like? Uh, not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, my week was, uh, it's been good so far. So last since I last talked to you, my first uh, release went live on Spotify. Uh, it was called Endless Ocean. It was a track I did with my friend David Fua um, from, from uh, France. Great keyboardist. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to kick off a whole year of releasing music on Spotify. I'm really excited. Um, next one will be going live, uh, yeah, this following week. Um, every Friday or Thursday or Friday. I haven't really figured that out yet. Um, and uh, yeah, Spotify continues to, you know, to, the numbers are good. L monthly listeners are, are still consistent above, you know, 13,000, I think right now, monthly listeners, which is awesome. Um, and otherwise, yeah, just kind of finishing up uh, work for Artlist Originals, uh, trying to work on some uh, motion array material. And then um, what really consumed uh, me the last, you know, three or four days basically was, um, 
filming the uh, the second segment of my trailer music trilogy course. Uh, part one is live in the academy now. Uh, part one is basically orchestral uh, trailers, and then part two is going to is all hybrid or um, hybrid trailers. So a lot of you know effects and synths and stuff like that. And I did a little YouTube video, um, which I put out uh, uh, last Wednesday kind of just doing like a very light version, <laughs> a quick mm -hmm. walkthrough of that track. And uh, yeah, basically that took up a lot of my time. I mean, I I wanted to be able to kind of film the course over the, over, over the span of like two days. Um, and now I have a lot of videos to edit. So <laughs> that's the next uh, thing on my to-do list. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I basically, I'm starting on, uh, finally starting on the Cubase uh, content creation um, stuff and uh, and yeah, that, I guess that kind of leads me into um, you know the, the the topic of discussion today because um, the very first point I wanted to make about you know in terms of like production tips, things you know, getting obstacles out of your way, is um, mastering your DAW. And I'm sure you're going to have a lot to to say about this too because this is you know something that you teach uh, your students um, at school. Uh, but I really think that, I mean, this is obvious, but I, I think, the, the, you know, to, I really think you got to make the most um, of your time by getting super familiar with, uh, with your DAW, whether it's Logic, Cubase or whatever, um, being just knowledgeable about its basic functions will really, really allow you to work more efficiently and, and, and with increased confidence as well. Um, and I think that to avoid, you know, losing your creative ideas. I think what what's, what's really worked for me is just to take a few minutes each session, each time you sit down to work, um, to learn something new about your DAW's workflow. Now, maybe you've totally mastered it, um, which is awesome, um, but there's probably some a few things that you could you could just research every time. Every time you sit down to write a track, there's all like for me at least, there's always something that's like, oh, I wish there was some kind of shortcut, and then I'll just take like five minutes to try to figure that one out. And, and there is, yeah. Um, and you know, this could, th these kinds of things, it could range from like, you know, just searching for key commands to, uh, delving into, uh, into the, the comping process, for example. Um, the, I think the goal is just to continuously build your skills. Um, and you know, first thing I did when I, I learned Cubase from the ground up is just like, you know, first thing I did was just figure out all the key commands, write them all down and start training my muscle memory. And that was just like a, a big obstacle out of my way. But, uh, I know that, you know, you go through this with, with your students, it's basically probably the first thing you teach them, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, I continually find things that to ways to master logic. Uh, ma logic mainly is the one I use. I teach both logic and Pro Tools, but mm -hmm. Pro Tools is all about recording shortcuts and, and quick keys and things like that. Yeah. And um, you have to know all of these things. It's, it's actually a little bit more based in quick keys than logic is. Logic, you're pretty much all working on the same screen. You just bring different things up. It's all in one place. But Pro Tools, you're going back and forth between your edit and mix screen. You need to know all the quick keys because the the uh, the cursor doesn't work the same in Pro Tools as it does in Logic. You have to know how to break things and 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 join things and all that kind of stuff. And so there is uh, there is a ton of quick keys, and they they range from all the uh, command keys, the option key, the control key, the shift key. I mean, you're using uh, sometimes two and three keys for one thing. I think there's three. You have to press. Command, Option, and Control, and 
uh, click on something to get, you know, to like to automate a, uh, an effect parameter. You know, you have to click. Uh, there's a yeah. certain way you have to do these, all these things. But all of these are ways that people get jobs as engineers, that people get jobs uh, working for somebody. They walk in and they are a master, probably better than the producer they're working for in the quick keys. They're faster and, uh, as I tell them, they're quiet. They don't talk. They don't look at their phone ever. And they sit there at the board and the engineer says, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this. And, or the producer like me who would hire someone, I don't, I didn't, before I taught Pro Tools, I, I didn't know it like all the quick keys like I do now after teaching it. And I would hire someone who was great at Pro Tools. I, and, and it was usually somebody the studio brought in and uh, they had a job because they were fast and because they were knowledgeable totally. about how quickly to do everything inside of Pro Tools. Um, but even in Logic, I have found, just by teaching it, all these different commands I didn't know about and the, the, the way the marquee tool works and all that kind of stuff that speeds up your workflow. And so mastering your DAW is not only important for jobs, if you want to go out and get them, but it's important for your workflow at home yourself and mastering all the all the things it can do. And, and there's, I'm sure there's a million things on Logic that I don't know it does. And I, I keep finding them out all the time. Same, um, yeah. Same so here. yeah, I don't think there. I think that's an endless process. It is an endless doing. process, and I think like yeah, I mean I, I don't know if Logic works the same way, but like Cubase, like the macros uh, capabilities are so they're really really intense. Like you can get it to do, you can program Cubase to do hilarious uh, like tasks for you. Like you can you can program it to like arrange a loop for you and everything. It's really quite amazing. Like I haven't gone that that deep in it yet, but um, I mean yeah, knowing your quick commands is like is like you know. Uh, is fundamental, like number one, but um, I hate bringing up menus and stuff. So I really try to like, you know, find uh, like program key commands to like make that process fast so I don't have to move uh, my mouse around all the time. And there and, usually is almost yeah. every single thing that you're doing in Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, there is a quick command that you could have got there faster than going up to the menu, trying to figure out where it is and find it and click on it. And by that time, you could have clicked the, the command key and been moving on to the next thing and listening and all that. The, and the idea is really just kind of getting things out of the way of like the creative process because ideas pop up really quickly, you know, and you don't want anything to stand in the way of that idea getting put down as quick as possible. At least that's, um, yeah. you know, my experience with it. You know, anything that kind of like distracts from the ideas putting down process is just, you know, a real hindrance to uh, me getting work done. So, um, yeah, understanding your DAW fundamental. Uh, and I, I really think it's, you know, what's worked for me is just kind of like doing, taking five, 10 minutes each time. Uh, I have not every single time, but like, you know, often when I'm sitting down to write a track, something will pop in my head. I'm wondering if there's a way to do this better. And then I'll just mm -hmm. Google it and, uh, and I'll, I'll try to implement that into my workflow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, moving on, I think, uh, number two tip that I would have, uh, is take regular breaks. I don't know if you do this. I know I, I talk to people who, who just tell me they do like monstrous, like six to eight hour sessions where they don't move. And I'm just like, I just cannot work that way. No. Um, and I, I think I used to like when I, especially when I was younger, um, and 
I, I don't know. I guess as like, you know, as I get a bit older, my body just needs to move around a little bit. Otherwise I get all like, it, it actually feels painful to just sit in one place for too long. Um, but I, I really think that breaks are crucial uh, to give your ears a rest uh, during long sessions. Um, and it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, ear fatigue can really, really impede your uh, ability to make critical decisions. Um, such as, you know, mixing uh, or uh, audio editing. Um, to prevent this, <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, it's it's really great to, to break up your sessions with short breaks, um, you know, so just step Or away. not short breaks. Or long breaks, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends on what your definition of short or long is, I suppose. But um, yeah, you know, step away from the speakers once in a while and recharge recharge your ears. Uh, you know, headphones, I, I work with headphones uh, constantly, so they're, they're known to uh, cause this fatigue probably a little bit uh, quicker. Um, so yeah, take extra care when, when you're using uh, headphones for extended periods. But uh, I, I really think, uh, and again, with, yeah, volume, I think, an important rule to remember is just to keep the volume reasonable. Um, monitoring at high volume is 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 something I, I used to do all the time. I've probably taken a few notches off my 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 hearing uh, capabilities long term, and I've and it's so tempting to crank the volume when I'm working on a session or something, especially if I'm feeling inspired and like I'm really liking it. I'll just like feel the urge to to, to turn the volume up, but uh, I've resisted that lately. And I'm just like, uh, I, I found I'm able to work uh, much longer periods uh, with the volume at a reasonable level. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I go I go take snack breaks. What do you, what do you do? What's dude, your process? I take day long breaks, week long breaks. Right. I, I find that I work on so much music that um, when I get to the end of what I feel like I want to do on it that day, I just save and stop. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I come back to it, especially if it's something, and I know people know what I'm talking about. When you've started something, you've gone down the road with it, and you're like, I'm just not sure about this. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not quite sure this is going to work. Now, someone asked me, um, how often do you start something and not finish it? I'm like, almost never, because I don't have time to be starting a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to finish. You know, I have to start and finish. If I'm not going to finish, then that'll be apparent after the first 15 to 20 minutes or, th or maybe half an hour. And I'll be like, and I'll listen back and I'll go, okay. And, and this is where I take my first break. I go, I gotta, f I gotta come back to this later on and listen, because after this first half hour, hour of playing with this, I'm not so sure it's that great. And so I'll, I do a lot of putting ideas on the table and then coming back to them later and saying, all right, now here, let's go back to this song and see if it's something. And, and then if you listen to it, you're like, hey, that's not bad. And, and I, can, I can take it from here and, and move on. And then I'll take it to the next level. And usually at that point, I'll get close to finishing it. But then, even then, I'll go, okay, um, you know, especially if there's no brief, if there's no brief or a reason for it and you don't have to turn it in, if you have to turn it in, it's a whole different workflow uh, mm -hmm. thought, but I'm just talking about songs that I'm, uh, interested in making and I make because I, I hear it and I feel it. And, but sometimes I have to just take a break and sometimes that break could last days, weeks, uh, right. again, because I create a lot of stuff. So I'm always got a ton of stuff in the, in the hopper to, that is in different um, in different completion cycles. But um, I just, especially stuff that's not for a brief, that I, I don't have to get it done today, then I will I will give myself space. I mean, let that song breathe and see if you like it. Um, 
if I'm on a deadline for a brief, well, then I'll just work as much as I have to. But yeah, dude, I have to get out every 15, after every half an hour on the or on the hour and just get outside for a minute totally um and just and just not listen to that for a minute sometimes it's even better to save it go work on something else that's different and let my ears rest from that song and then come back fresh to that other song and not remembering how it went and go oh okay and because your 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 brain and your ears hear it differently when you come back after listening to something else so I especially yeah. do that when i master I, I like that. I, I think you bring up something interesting too, which is the idea of like working on like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I would assume that probably most producers are, have like several different things they're working on at the same time. I, I don't know if that's the case, but like, I definitely, um, you know, work that way as well. And I think that um, that's maybe another way to sort of break up the process. Like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll spend like two or three hours uh, in a day just coming up with ideas sometimes, you know, like I'll just, I'll start, I'll plant three seeds, you know, just ha and like just get the, like a basic loop down or something really, yep. you know, just an idea down. And then I'll just press pause on it, come back to it the next day and then, you know, take those three tracks and listen to them again, process it differently because I'm, you know, I've given myself a little bit of a break and uh, then I can arrange all of them put it away yep. again, come back the next day, uh, and then, and then do a mix on all three. Like that, that that's another Absolutely. way of interesting way of breaking up the process. But, mm -hmm. um, certainly I don't know if, uh, I've ever really had much success just sitting down for like an extended period of time and working on a track from start to finish. I almost never do that. Yeah. Almost never. Yeah. Unless it's like a, solo piano piece or something really really light production right and solo right. piano i will do that i'll sit i'll sit down when i'm ready to play it because i will have arranged it already i'll have messed with it and and know the arrangement i want to do it's just a matter at that point of sitting down and playing it through um and i know uh, friends of ours like dan barracuda who's just working on like two guitar type things that he sits down does those you know and, yes. and knocks them right out. And I do the same with piano. When I'm going to sit down and actually record it and then piece it together, I'll do that all in one sitting. But when if, if it's a production of mul multiple tracks, I cannot do all that, um, you know, at the same time uh, and in, in the same sitting, for sure. Never. Almost never. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I would have to be up against a wall for a brief that has to be done by the end of the day to do something like that. Yeah, even that's that. I'm going to take breaks. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, even that. I, I've I've sat down and done like 75, 80 percent of the of the track. Um, sometimes when it's like yeah, like a fairly light production, but uh, yeah. never never 100 percent. And I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've thought that I finished a track and then I like come back to it the next day and and thought to myself, I'm really glad that I didn't send that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot um, of times if, if students get to the end of the night and I know that they're going to come in early the next day, a lot of them come in before class starts. I'm like, why don't you just save and come back in and give it a final fresh ear listen tomorrow? Fresh ear You've listen. been under yeah. the phones for two, three, four hours, you know, with yeah. that. and even that I'm having them take, I literally make them take a break every half hour. Right. Um, or sorry, every hour. 
uh, they they get a ten minute break or and or lunch. And so I say, let's take a let's take a break because you need to take the phones off and go walk outside in the halls at the very least, or go walk outside for a minute and rest your ears. And a lot of them have never done this kind of work before, so it's it's very odd for them you to tell them quit doing music because hey they're like hey I'm here to do music. I'm like yes, but. Your ears need to remain fresh, and you can't keep them fresh by just some, just headphones for four hours. You can't do that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Cool. Well, moving on. Um, my next, the next point I want to talk about is uh, focusing on on uh, completion, and I think that a lot of people listening will probably be able to resonate with this because it's a very common problem, and many producers face this frustration of not being able to finish a track. Uh, this is a discussion that came up in the Academy just the other day. Um, it, and it could be for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, if you have, if you're the kind of person that has plenty of ideas kicking around, uh, but few complete songs, um, you know, you, you'll probably be resonating with this discussion. I think I mean, there's no easy solution to this. I think, uh, you know, to overcome it, I, I think you have to really set your sights on the, on the goal of completion, like, and orient your process around the, around the big picture. Um, you know, try to also, I would, I would suggest maybe trying to set a goal of completing without worrying about the quality of the result. Um, and this is something that, that helped with me. I think I, it was, it's a, it's a matter of managing your expectations, um, to some degree. Uh, I, I really used to have a, like a, a problem with this. Like I would, I would, uh, you know, just come up with these half baked ideas and I wouldn't know what, what to do with them. Um, the, 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 the thing that really changed the game for me was, uh, was using reference tracks, um, and, and creating a, an arrangement structure, uh, for the idea and then kind of plugging ideas into the arrangement. Um, that's something that really helped for me. And, and these days, like a lot of my, like, you know, royalty free tracks are basically based on a loop, like an eight bar loop. Often, um, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on the loop first and then, and then just use the loop to arrange the track and then decide, you know, very early on in the process, what the intro is going to look like, where, where it's going to, how long it's going to be, where's the breakdown, where's the second A section, where's the outro, is there an outro, um, mark those things down first, get it out of the way mentally, and then start plugging in details in like, like transitions and stuff from one section to the other. And that once I started implementing that in my process, it really made the, um, the finishing the tracks, uh, issue go away. And now I always finish my tracks all the time. Um, they're not always, you know, I, I don't always, I don't finish every track thinking like that was amazing. Uh, you know, there's, there's, probably, you know, maybe 30% of my tracks, I finished them. I'm, I'm like, that one's going to do well, or yeah. I feel really, really good about that. <clears throat> but I think it's, it's a, it's just a matter of discipline, um, just to get it finished in the first place. Uh, you're not, it's not always going to be a home run. Um, and, and to be honest, some of the tracks that I felt that way after I finished them, where I was just like, eh, I don't know about this one ended up doing really well. You never know. So, yeah, I think this has been, this is something that we all probably struggled with at some point in in what we're doing, especially at the beginning. Uh, I I used to create a thousand ideas and never finish any of them. Mm-hmm. I think what made me learn how to complete projects was mainly becoming a project you know producer for hire, where I had to create finish it for the client there because if not they'd bother me, and they still do. You know they'll still like email, hey, where's that track? I haven't heard anything about this, and so. Right. 
Um, I think that's one way to, to get used to it. Or if you have a brief and something's due by tonight and the deadline is, you know, whatever clock and you got to have it done and, and submitted. So that's a great way to focus on completion is, is, is have briefs and, that have deadlines and then you have to get it done. And it's a great way to force you to get it done. Um, the second, the, the other thing for me, and I'm, I'm looking at a list on my computer right now of 14 songs that need, that have whatever else I, they need in them. And that's what this weekend's going to be about. It's going from one song to how many I get through. I don't know. It depends on how many I actually sit down. If I sit down to finish one, it might take, you know, most of my time or, or, or the weekend to go. So you have like a it. checklist for the, like the oh, yeah. tracks that you're working on, then you kind of, and you writing, you're kind of taking things off visually that I think that could, that could be really helpful too. I yeah, don't do that, but that's cool. I, I keep everything in a in a list, and I'll have like the song name, and then parentheses in the parentheses following it. I have what needs to happen. Okay. And uh, sometimes after the song name, like if I'm working on a on a song for a pro- a project, then I'll have the the song name, and then in parentheses I'll say drums, bass, keys, whatever I, whatever I think it needs that I haven't done yet, uh, or this kind of sounds or whatever and uh, vocals, whatever. And then um, sometimes I'll even get into who actually is going to play them. And then I do a lot of times keep that knowledge for the track, uh, who played on it, just so that in case I have to do album credits, I'll remember who played all the instruments on those things. But uh, most of the time it's it's just the stuff in parentheses is stuff still left to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that just goes on my to-do list to do. And so this weekend I have a lot of to-dos. And so getting back to a lot of songs I started a month ago or two months ago or last week or whatever and finishing them out and completing them, getting them closer to production. It's, for me it's a little bit more like an assembly line yeah, where I totally. have a bunch of songs lined up and some of them will get finished sooner than others. Some of them are a little bit more, um, a, a, a lot more. Like I have one right now that's kind of like a classical piece. I don't even know if it's a piece for any kind of use for licensing, but it certainly <clears throat> is something I might want to put out on my composer channel or something like that, or or make uh, sheet music for to sell uh, to certain kinds of um, ensembles. Completing that means not only finishing it as far as the sounds, but sending it to someone who's going to do the sheet music and all that kind of stuff, because I'm probably not going to do that myself. And so there's a lot of different areas of completion, depending on what type of song it is. Mm-hmm. But usually it's just a mix and, and, and an instrumental or whatever that you can send to licensing places, libraries, whatever you're doing it for. Um, but again, I work on more of a, an assembly line type of way than, than just one song. And I'm only focused on that one. I don't know if I could do that. I, I have to be focusing on multiple things at a time. Uh, but certain times, you know, there are songs in my head that I just have to get out and I just have to finish it because I'm, I want everybody to hear it or I want to get it into the library or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, absolutely. This is something that it took me a long time to get good at is, is actually completing, you know, 75% of what I made versus only 25% or less. Yeah, you know, and uh, just thinking, somebody brought this this particular thing up in the academy the other day is uh, um, one of the things that they were, they felt they were really struggling with that was slowing them down was just like obsession about um, sound selection. Um, And I kind of resonated with that too, because like I have, you know, for, for me personally, like I just have such um, you know, a massive collection of, of, uh, sample libraries, um, you know, samples from splice, uh, uh, it, it just, it's just endless. Some of which I haven't even really, 
um, totally dive into yet. And there's when you have so much to choose from, I think what what can happen, there's a danger of like paralysis of decision making uh, when you have so many um, options to choose from. Um, and you can get into the zone where you're constantly searching for the perfect patch or the perfect sample or the perfect kick, uh, you know, um, and you really have to draw the line between, uh, you know, d endless digging and actually getting things done. Um, and I think that this is something I used to suffer from as well, um, just spending way too much time on crafting or like trying to find the right samples. These days, um, what I do is is I'll just stop when something sounds good enough. <laughs> and so yep. if it sounds good enough, use it. And then and then come back to the fundamental process, which is just getting the track done. Um, you know, do the do the work of composing uh, first and foremost uh, in your process, and then you can come back to sound selection issues uh, post composition. Um, but you're certainly not you're, you're going to be creating a lot of resistance for yourself if if you're just obsessing about uh, you know trying I, I to find this. Yeah. That can be a little indulgent. I mean, this is going to fly in the face of our next point, but I think this this it can be a little indulgent to just sit there and try to find the right kick drum or the snare drum or the right pad. How many times you've been looking for the right pad? You end up using a pad you've used a thousand times before. You know why? Because that pad works. Um, this is like back when the, in the day when I'd get a new keyboard, I'd go through all the sounds and I would just I'd spend the first few days with that keyboard just going through the sounds. I didn't even try to write anything or compose anything or record anything. All I right. did was just see what that thing did. And we'll talk about that in the next thing. That's There is a time for that, but not when you're trying to produce something. Producing is not yes. the time to experiment in, in trying to get, if you're trying to get stuff completed, then complete it. Don't, don't uh, if, but if you're trying to make art, then that's a whole different thing. And we can kind of talk about that in the next point. Exactly. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's a matter of kind of dividing up the, the, the time into like, okay, yeah, what's the goal here? Is it to complete or is it to experiment? And uh, and that's our next point, which is just to maybe carve out a slice of time for yourself to experiment and innovate. Um, because I think, you know, uh, getting stuck in sort of a, a rut, a creative rut is you know, obviously a very you know common thing. Um, I, I think it's especially so for producers who are working um, in a single genre. I don't know if a lot of folks out there are just kind of doing one uh, single genre uh, or experimenting with a lot of different ones. Um, but I think to you know to avoid getting in those ruts, um, try shaking up your workflow. Uh, this you know this could mean. For me, it meant trying different genres, you know, and yes. and getting out of my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, doing things like, you know, when I first tr tried to, to make a trailer track, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it really like, you know, over time, it, 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 it kind of expanded my knowledge, uh, on a lot of other things that, uh, benefited other genres too. Um, so, you know, this could also mean just trying it like a new instrument or a, like a, like a different library that you've never tried before. Um, I, I just think that adopting a sort of like beginner's mindset, uh, it, it can really help sort of cre um, unlock uh, some new creative insights into the production process. Uh, and I think that we all kind of tend to get stuck in, in you know, these uh, routines. Uh, but every now and then I'm just going to, I'll just do something totally different uh, just for the sake of it. 
uh, to stoke my own creativity. Um, and usually the the result is not good, <laughs> you know, and at least initially. Um, and it could be anything. It could be like starting with a drum pattern rather than a chord progression. You know what I mean? Just like flipping the script on your routine uh, every now and then is really going to help you. Um, and, and I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? I literally have a note up on right now called Experimental Methods, which um, I'm going to be impl implementing over the next couple weeks. I have found that sometimes I have to just get back to things that aren't my usual way of creating. I have to attack it from a different direction, come at it from um, a different place. Um, and so um, I have used, I've got on this list modes, you know, using different, um, and a lot of this stuff is, is, is a bit theory based, but you know, some musical modes um, like Dorian or, mm -hmm. or uh, just different, different ones that I could move to and just, you hear these different kind of chords happening with that than I would usually create. 12 tone or serial music where you're creating a bunch of tones that you do in a row and 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 when i say in a row you do them one after the other you just mix it. it's like and i've done this literally i've rolled dice to determine uh, a, a melody line or a chord structure or a melody tempo roulette. or anything i did it for a piece and during my uh during my masters and it was and it came out really cool, but I never, ever would have come at that song the same in the same way or made that song had I not chosen those particular tones out of just at random. Okay. And it, it, it made me think in a different way than I would ever normally think writing. Um, I, th I thought about just taking a bunch of chords and putting them randomly together and, and, then, and then building something out of that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I met, a, I was in our uh, mastermind, one of the composers did something with his phone number. He took the numbers of his phone number and nice. made those into chords. And so a lot of ideas like that, where you are experimenting with different ways, and I am totally right there, right this second. Um, I, going to be at the piano this weekend really just trying some unique different things to just to if not nothing else just to get myself out of some of the ruts that i've gotten in you know doing a country album and doing a, a percussion album which were very much you know you have to do this this and this to get the sound that you're looking for for that and and coming at some things a little bit more uh experimentally and uh, it literally says experimental methods and so i am all about this right now and i think this is more on the comp you're talking more on the production side i'm talking about a little bit more on the compositional side mm -hmm. um but on the production side it could be as easy as working with another player or person you've never worked with before rather than just doing it all yourself which we tend to do in our little caves you know uh, and here working on our little computers but um or maybe uh instead of playing guitar which you always play try something on the keyboard try something try developing a melody in your head with no instrument mm -hmm. i think a lot of us sit down and we we put our hands down in the same old places and the same chords happen and our same melodies uh happen try to write a melody on your phone try yeah. uh think of production sounds that you don't normally get and try to go for that so i'm a big fan of this absolutely try to incorporate uh um vocals into your tracks that's something that we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago i think yeah yeah um Cool. Well, I think uh, another uh, topic I'd like to discuss is kind of carving out um, your own distinctive sound, which is comes down to consistency. Um, you know, I think consistency is it, it's it's key to any industry. Music production is no exception. Um, the best producers are known for 
having a kind of distinctive sound, right? Um, and the ability to kind of reproduce results. <clears throat> so I, I think that, you know, we're talking about, we, we were just talking about carving, carving out some time to be experimental. Um, but take notes, man. Take notes of what you come up with in those experiments. And if you have presets, if you have samples, or you have, if you come up with techniques that work well, don't be afraid to use them mm. over and over again. Uh, over time, your those go-to methods are going to form your signature uh, producer palette. Um, and dude, I you know I reuse the same samples uh, and the same kicks and you know the same snares over and over again. It doesn't make my my sounds my songs all sound the same. Um, it's just you know I have this this growing sort of collection and this list of sounds that I just know are going to work for certain things. And I'm just, you know, sometimes I just log it mentally. Other times I, I write it down. Um, but these are, these are techniques that have really helped me kind of create, um, you know, like, a, a cohesion across like, say like, you know, a few, uh, a few tracks uh, for, for an album. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I tend to, um, as you can tell, being a, a creative, I tend to continue to go back to creative type ways to, to make stuff. I used to have a template that had piano and then it had the, the loops that I usually use and then it had the, or the loop package that I usually use and then it had a drum set up and then it had a bass set up. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I found that I was just doing the same thing. I was a little too consistent. I was a little a little ruddy. It would sound like I was in a rut because everything kind of started feeling the same. So I have gotten away from, I do have a consistent template. It's called one empty software uh, track and one empty audio track. <laughs> That's my template. And I bring that up and then I go choose the, the things. Now, again, you can't experiment too much with every song. You don't have that much time, especially when you're like me and you're doing a lot of songs at once. I might start with something that is going to work. But um, at the same time, I think consistency, when I'm thinking about music production, I'm thinking about um, how often I'm going to work um, and, cons and consistently work at it. I think the, one of the problems with music is everybody thinks, oh, it's this cool thing I can do anytime I want to because, you know, mm -hmm. who cares? But I think you've got to, you've got to build a consistent time, it, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you have a day job and you are driving to work and it's just a, a slog, but it, you know, and you get an hour a day free to do music or a couple hours a week to do music, you've got to, you have to be more consistent than anybody. You have to make that time and that, that time you get to make music count. And so the consistency comes in to uh, having, making sure you protect that time and that time is with you every week. If it's a daily thing for you and you're able to carve out the mornings or carve out the nights, whatever you carve out, be consistent, get in there and do the work and do all these things, these, your, all your experimenting, all your completions, all your uh, learning your doll, all that kind of stuff. You just have to do and you have to not just come back to it every blue moon and, and you're not going to get anything done that way. Oh, totally, totally. And I, yeah, I was going to bring this up. I mean, consistency is not just about creating, uh, you know, consistency of like with a sound palette um, necessarily. It's about consistency of, of uh, you know, of, of like creating an actual schedule for for work um doing it you know uh, daily if you can uh if you can't then as often as possible and like you said protect that time 
at all costs and work around it. Um, yeah, I mean, can we can we all just can we get the um, the self driving car things uh, you know going here because then we could actually like do uh, some some production work in and the, the car while it tries us to work feeding and it could just and and like you know get the. Uh, the toilet uh, studio chairs, you know, just so we can really get <laughs> it some things me out of the like, way. Wasn't that like a thing in um, in like Silicon Valley where like all these programmers were, were drinking that Soylent stuff because they, they didn't have time to eat? They just, just like, anyway, um, yeah, carve out that space and time to, to work on a regular basis. And uh, everyone's at a different spot with how much free time they have but yeah um, i think it's worth uh you know trying to schedule um something it's hard enough for those of us who have time based on music yeah, in other words steve's totally. whole day is based in that my my whole day is not necessarily weekdays based in that but my mornings are from the time i get up till the time i have to leave in the afternoon to go over and teach i i am you know here working on stuff and if i don't show up <laughs> nobody's no work's gonna get done nothing's gonna get completed there's going to be no breaks to take. If all I do is take a break and go to Disney for the day, you know, nothing's going to get done. And so I have to be as consistent as anybody in order yeah. to get all these things done or, or nothing will get done. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, next point I want to bring up is uh, simplicity. We got to keep it simple. Um, I, I really think that uh, the simple solution is often the best uh, in music production. Uh, it, I think in many cases, listeners won't be able to tell the difference between a hard one and an easy, uh, an easy solution, you know, um, as a producer, I think it's, it's, and this is something that we were touching on, touching on earlier, but it's really important to develop, um, an intuition and know when something is just good enough, um, and, and not overcomplicate the process. Uh, and, I mean, my, I'll tell you what, like my process these days is like throwing a lot of things against the wall um, in a very short period of time when I'm coming up with ideas. But I absolutely, every single time I do that, I'm stripping away probably like somewhere up to like 50% of it. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, the simplest solution is what's the, is the most effective. And sometimes I, I think I get into this mentality where I feel as though um, I have to plug all of these holes with with sound and and I mean like a, a lot of the tracks that I review for feedback in the academy um, suffer from this issue where just like there's too many ideas competing um, at the same time and I'm often telling people just like you know get get rid of that that thing get rid of that get rid of that uh, simplify this man you know um, and have one one thing to focus on in this production you know let, whether that's your top line melody or if it's a vocal. Just build the track around one simple idea. Um, you don't have to uh, to to just pack the the the, the production the, your track with like tons of sounds and and samples and uh, and ideas and, and melodies. It's just uh, you know, I, I simple as simple as it works. It just works. Keep it. Keep everything simple. Think about the, the rhythm section that you're making. I don't care if it's electronic or acoustic, but you have a beat, you have a bass, you have a chord maker, and you have a melody. I mean, there's not a lot more than you don't, I mean, not, not that every song is going to be four tracks, but you, you know, any band that you go here has a drummer and they have a bass player and they have a guitar player and they have a keyboard player. 
They don't have 20 keyboard players. They don't have 20 guitar players. They, mm-hmm. they, they only have one, and um, it's important. It, just like drums, you know, people go too crazy on drums. Drums, a drummer can only play certain kinds of beats. He, can, he only has two hands and two feet. Totally. He can't do five, eight things at a time. And so you've got, to, you've got to think in terms of what real people can do. And if you're not using real instruments, still think in terms of, do I have enough bass? Do I need three different synth bases that are all doing different things do i need uh, all these loops going on sometimes i think you do the pow loops together but you know don't don't feel the need to play 14 guitar parts because almost on no recording have i ever done that in real life with a 14 different guitar parts maybe mm-hmm. maybe five or six or seven but rarely is there going to be 14 things going on not everything needs a string orchestra on top of it or horns exactly, or yeah. all these things. I used know? to think that like, you know, recording the same part on my acoustic guitar is, you know, six times like it's, uh, and then layering it is going to make it sound really big. It doesn't, it just makes it sound messy. Uh, yeah, you know, just, just fo- focus on getting like one layer really to sound really, really beautiful. And, 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 uh, that's the way to, to, to approach it. Yeah, for if, me. You're, if you're, if you're producing jazz, you just need a drummer upright and and a, and a piano. You yeah. could do as simply as trio. If you're producing piano music, it's just one piano playing. If you're producing rock music, it's just bass, drums, guitars, and vocals. It's not you know. Keep it simple. Do not overcomplicate what has worked for a hundred years. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Next next point I want to touch on is focusing on. Uh, your abilities, your strengths, and what you already have around you. Uh, I think it's it's really easy to get discouraged uh, by focusing on the things that you don't have, uh, and just and instead of what you do, uh, instead of what's just around you and what you're already good at, um, try to reframe you know your mindset and discover uh, new possibilities with the things that you already have around you, uh, and ask yourself what are your strengths, and use that as a springboard. Um, you know, especially if you're new to, uh, you know, relatively new to production, uh, or writing, um, sync music, you know, and, uh, and don't have a lot of experience in, in lots of different genres. Um, I think, you know, when I first started out, when I started out, I just was just doing acoustic tracks, you know, like, cause that was easy. I remember I was like, uh, th- those are the first tracks that I think I uploaded to audio jungle. Um, and that was back when I was watching, you know, a lot of uh, Daniel Carazales' videos. And that's what he was doing, just like these really, really simple acoustic tracks. And I was like, I can do that. I can play guitar. I can come up with these ideas. Um, and everything, everything grew from that, you know. Once I was confident about making two, like a simple, like Dan Barracuda style, like, you know, guitar track that was just like two guitars um, and maybe a little bit of percussion, um, then I felt... I could kind of use that as a springboard to to research new genres and, and get better with production and just you know it grew from that you know so I, I think that was an, a, a, that's a good example of just kind of focusing in on my strengths rather than um, getting like uh, getting too in my head about like trying to create like an orchestral uh, yeah, trailer track or, or, you know? or getting depressed because you're not like someone else who can naturally do this one thing yeah you know there's this guy on motion array he's also on art list and he just he makes this kind of music that they love and he makes all this money at it 
oh wait, it's you. <laughs> and uh, you know, and and but there are times where I'm like, uh, should I go down that road and try to make income that way? And I think sometimes we get all messed, we, we, we get messed up thinking, should I do that because this guy's doing it? Or, you know, this person's making this much doing this, or this person's making that kind of music. I wish I could make that. It's not mm-hmm. about, um, you have to focus on what you do well and go after that. And, and or if you don't do anything well, figure out what you want to do well at and focus on it. But um, I, I am a piano player. I am a jazzy kind of guy. I am, I like a lot of weird genres and I like messing around in them and uh, it's kind of a video I kind of have planned like there's a reason why I don't make more is because I don't make stuff that makes more on kind of purpose because Mm -hmm. I just do what I like to do and that's my personal mantra but it's not everybody's but still you have something that you can do better than the next guy it might be guitar playing it might be piano playing it might be programming it might be whatever vocals it could be lots of different things at the people who have made the most in their lives that I've seen in the music industry are those people who specialize in that one thing that they do. Mm-hmm. They're a guitar player. They're wanted on every session. They can create parts really fast and really good, and and, and everybody wants that guy in, in their session. The mm-hmm. keyboard player or the orchestrator or the, the drummer. You know, we don't hire, I mean, there's a lot of musicians that play other instruments in Nashville that could physically play the drums, but we don't hire them because they're not drummers. They are guitar players who could also play the drums. We hire 30-year veteran or 20-year veteran drummers who have Mm -hmm. been through the test of time and played in every situation. So we you need to focus on what makes you great because that is what you're going to do the best. And Dan Barracuda is a great example of that who just, you know, focuses on his guitar abilities. He's not you know, all the time trying to create these huge, big productions because he loves doing what he loves, which is a certain kind of style and and focuses on those things. And I think we see that in his success. And so uh, focus on your abilities for sure. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I keep try not to convince yourself that like getting the next you know, uh, expensive sample library is going to is going to is going to like help you create uh, amazing tracks just Overnight. I mean, like, because because we're all suckers. At least I am a sucker for good marketing. You know, we see these uh, advertisements. You really for, are, because they say they just got you last week. Spitfire got me last week with the Alpine <laughs> Colossus Library, uh, but the difference is, I knew I could do something really interesting with it. <laughs> But there was a time when I gave Spitfire a lot of money and then I had the library and I was like, I don't really know what to do. (laughs) And I just spent $500. Um, But look, look, like the point I'm trying to make here is, is um, you, you try not to fall into that trap because like, look, our friend Alex, for example, Alex B, um, he's, uh, he only uses stock logic stuff. Yeah. And he's making thousands of dollars on motion array now. Yeah. You know, he's got two, like he had two, like uh, number one, uh, he also downloaded plays guitars, tracks though, right? there. He plays a bit of guitar. Yes, that's yeah. true. Um, but he just like is not down with spending all this money on, on sample libraries. He's like, you know what? Logic's got everything I need. It's got I'm the drummers, it's got the synths. And it's pretty I tell damn everybody good. that when they start saying, oh, I can get other samples. I'm like, why don't you explore what Logic or slash GarageBand has already? Because totally. you're not exploring it. Logic by itself, I will do a lot of things at school when the students are working on many things. I'll, I'll start creating a little mini thing. And yeah. I bring it home with every intention of replacing all the sounds. And guess what? I probably only replace about 25% of the Dude, sounds. Dude, he, he made me feel like embarrassed to have 
to to not really know that much about the logic stuff i mean like some of his tracks are so good i'm like really you use logic to make this it's like kind of blew me away i remember one day i was at a session in nashville and the guy pulled up you know he pulled out i said this needs some cello and he pulled up a cello sound and i was like man that is great what library is that from he's like logic (laughs) it's all in how you know how to play it yeah if you know how a cello player plays and how what range in that particular sample works Oh man, yeah. It doesn't really matter where it's from. And we're going to come back to that in a minute with the uh, with the mixing and the mastering. But uh, one more one more point to uh, to bring up here is to go is to start your process with a plan. Um, I can't tell you how many times I used to just kind of like sit down in front of the screen and and I had the blank page syndrome. You know, I was like, what? I don't know. Like I'm supposed to do something right now. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm waiting for inspiration to strike. Waiting for divine intervention here, uh, and it's I don't know what to do. Um, go in with a plan, man. Like have a plan. Say today I'm gonna tackle. Uh, you know I'm gonna write a hip hop track. And okay, if that's the plan. What, like what are you? Uh, what style are you gonna write in? Uh, or do you have a reference track? Um, you know, like these are things that have to be, uh, these are questions that need to be asked, I think, before you start your process. Otherwise, uh, you're really kind of just like wandering in the dark. You've heard me already talk about my notes several times. Uh, I think you have to have notes. Uh, I have a to-do list that is a mile long, but Mm -hmm. it, it has every song that I need to get done. I have everything I want to try to get to this weekend. It has videos I want to make. It has, you know, think jobs I need to get done, but even inside songs, I, I, when I'm going to work on, I decide, oh, I'm going to do an album of this kind of music for this library. And I will, one of the most fun parts of creating any library is planning it out from the beginning, is saying, oh, okay, I'm going to create this um, percussion marching band type of library. And I want it all to have different kinds of elements, like some have mallets in them, and some have loops in them, and some have all these kind of cool things. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and, and kind of plan that out with 10 different songs. I might even think of some names for the songs and stuff like that. And I'll have a plan as I'm going. And, um, and then I, when I get into it, I don't, I just, I know where to start. I know what kind of thing. Now, some songs come just because you start messing around and you come up with it. But for the most part, I don't do a lot of messing around. I don't have time to mess around. I need to have a plan in place for an album. And uh, if it's a bunch of songs that are public domain, I'll go ahead and plan all those songs out, which ones they are. I just did a Christmas album in December, mm-hmm. and I had a list of these public domain Christmas songs that I was wanting to rework and do in different arrangements. And I went through the list. I didn't just like sit down and go, hmm, what will I work on today? I went to my list and said, okay, which one's next and which one am I want to, want to do the most? So yeah, man, you got to have a plan for what kind of songs you're going to do and how you're going to create them. When I sit down for, with an artist, you know, we talk about when are we going to track? Who are we going to use to track with us? Who are we going to use for the engineering part? Yeah. Where are we going to do the vocals? Where are we going to? All that stuff is pretty much decided long before we do any of this stuff because we got to have a plan or you won't get anything done. It's a little like being consistent with your time. You also have to plan out that time. And just because you have time doesn't mean that you will, you know, get it done right then. You got to you got to really go uh, after it. And, yeah, it's, and have it's, a plan. It sounds kind of obvious, right? But it's something that's it. It, it gets missed. It gets mm-hmm. o- overlooked. Um, and yeah, like I said, I used to kind of just like 
I'd have it on my list of things to do for the for the day. Okay, today I'm going to work on music from from like uh, 10, music. 10, 10 to one, and let's, and then I'd I'd sit down and be like, oh wait, I really didn't plan this out. Like I didn't have any uh, game plan. I didn't yep. take any notes. I didn't do any research. I didn't have like you know any kind of specific uh, notes made about it. And like I would just kind of twiddle my thumbs and be like, well, I'm kind of don't really know what to do today. So. Yeah, definitely um, game plan that that time out. Not, not just make a, a consistent time, but plan in your head before mm -hmm. you even get there what you're going to do. I have my weekend planned. I know the things that I've got to get done, and especially the things that are on top of the list. Yeah, and uh, and and I'm going to try to get to as many as I can because I have a plan of which songs to attack first. And and you might think, hey, who cares about my songs? Who cares about my list? Well, nobody necessarily, but you need to because you're the only one who's gonna get this done. If you don't get it done, nobody's gonna get it done. And so it, you, when you have that time planned out, then you need to make sure you're, you're uh, planning what you're gonna work on. Now, if you're only working on one song at a time, you pretty much know what you're gonna work on, but mm -hmm. um, if you're planning more than that, start making lists, my friends. Yes. Lists will, will be the uh, savior of your life because you'd be like, okay, I knew I wanted to do some things today, what was it? I, I keep that text list, of, I use, um, What's it called? Uh, it's just the notes program in in uh, yeah. Mac. I use the notes also. I used all to use Evernote. Evernote yeah. was what I used before this, but Notes is free, so I can use that across mm -hmm. all Mac things. But get yourself some notes and 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 uh, keep them on a daily basis. So 100%. Yeah, I used to do a lot of journaling, and now I just use the notes thing. So I use I use notes every day. <clears throat> yeah. um, so last last thing to talk about here, uh, and it's the uh, the big kahuna, um, mixing and mastering. Um, I think this is probably what the, is causes the most issues. Uh, you know, I think it, it's obviously a, a crucial aspect of, of production. And it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. I, I don't think it should. So, um, and yet it's it's the source of of many challenges for for many producers. I think I I really think that a common belief among music producers is that uh the mix on its own is what separates their tracks from uh the work of like you know say their their idols or uh the what they're aspiring to sound like and and that the mastering is um what uh makes a, a track sound quote unquote professional mm -hmm. um i think it's worth noting that these skills are are i think they're often overemphasized in, in importance. And maybe that's a hot take, uh, but this is just my opinion, no, uh, you I know, because I think that the, the reality, reality is, is that most of the time, it's not the mix that's the problem. It's the arrangement. Um, mixing and mastering are, you know, obviously closely intertwined with the whole creative process of music production. So producers tend to believe that, uh, you know, the mix is what needs fixing. Um, they, they might think that adjusting like the balance or the EQ or the compression will solve the issues with their tracks. Um, I really don't think that this is always the case. Uh, the real issues often lie in the underlying elements of the track, such as, you know, uh, choice of chord voicing, layering, uh, arrangement, like I said, you know, sound selection, melody sometimes. If these elements are not kind of carefully considered and executed, uh, the end result is usually just kind of like a muddy, uh, sometimes an uninteresting track, uh, no matter how much EQ or compression is applied. So uh, I don't want to downplay the importance of things like EQ and compression. 
um, and there, you know, it's obviously mixing is a super important aspect of music production. They, um, I just don't think that they should, they should not be overemphasized yeah. or relied upon to fix fundamental problems in a track. Uh, I think okay. that, you know, people should really be focusing in on the core elements of the track and work to make sure that they're as polished and, and effective as possible. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I just think that it's, it, 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 the problems are usually not what you think they are. Here's my general take. And this is, I think this is somewhat of a hot take, but it's really not. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more common sense for me with mixing. And that is, especially for composers, if you are composing everything yourself, you're not using other players, actually, it's the same, but <clears> let's <throat> say you're just composing this yourself and you're starting from scratch, you make a piano track, you make a beats, you make drums, you make orchestral stuff, you add all this stuff in. To me, and, and I think this is pretty much accepted, and I think I hear Daniel talking about this, and I think we've talked about this before, you should be mixing as you're going. There yes. really is not a time where I create something and then I go, okay, well, I've created this whole tune, now I have to mix it, oh my. Well, I don't, because it's pretty much mixed by the time I get done with it. I have been, guess what? Something too loud while you're making it, turn it down. I mean, the, don't think, towards the mix like i'll do that later oh i'll turn down these drums that are super loud later how can you work like that make the mix them in now mix that bass after you put the drums down you put bass on mix that bass in what are you waiting for don't it's only adding more work for yourself we've already determined that there's not enough time to do this in the week and then when you do you may or may not have a plan to get it done don't make more work for yourself by not mixing as you go it's just it's like uh fundamental it's like um, you know, Dude. doing any task, work People, on it as you go. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the most that I that I do as I because I do work, I do the same thing. I work on it as I go. I, I apply. I, I basically I'm just doing volume adjusting, making sure that things are balanced, um, and then and like usually just a bit of EQ um, before I get to the actual like you know final mix process. People are shocked by how uh, little processing there is on um, well, on my on my final mix. Like I really don't do much to it at all. It's because most of the sounds we're gonna use are already adjusted for us. They're already EQ'd, they're already compressed, they're already at the volume they should be at, and they're already uh, well-made. A lot of these samples that we're using, they're all orchestrated and all fixed up and compressed and ready to go. They're not needing a lot of, I just did a, a mixing last week in Pro Tools and you know, I've got students, I'll explain compression to them and they'll put compression on every track and pull the threshold all the way down till there's almost no sound coming out of the, of the whatever they're compressing because they don't understand compression yet. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just saying, I try to teach them that it's just kind of a light thing to use lightly, but they are just compressing the heck out of every single track and then wondering why <laughs> it sounds like an AM radio coming out of a little speaker. And I'm like, well, it's because every, and you don't need to do that. All the, especially with the sounds that you are using from Logic is ready to go. We went over Logic last night and I said, when you import a sound, it's gonna go ahead and put all these effects on it because it knows what it needs to be and it knows how it needs to sit in the track. So there is not a lot of automating you're gonna need to do for your Logic tracks because all those sounds are meant to go together and a lot of your samples, I mean, there's some general mixing that you have to do as you go along and you might need to add some, brighten up a track with some EQ or, or get rid of some low end with a certain 
thing so that stuff doesn't interfere with each other in your mix. Mm -hmm. But again, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's stuff that I do as I go rather than waiting until the end and saying, oh, that piano has too much low end in it. I'm going to take some out. Well, I probably will have done that already. Yeah, 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 totally. And like, yeah, like I hope this doesn't come across like I'm downplaying the importance of understanding how compression works uh, and learning how to like, you know, using a cue properly and stuff. Also, on a side note, I think it's, you know, it's perfectly fine to like be that guy who's going to just mess with compression and, 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 and play and like pump it to the max, just so you know how not to use it. You know what I mean? You should, you should be extreme with the plugins just so you can get a really good sense of how they sound. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I, I do a lot of micro adjustments on my way to the finish line. Um, and by the time that I do a final mix, it's usually just like a bit of compression on the stereo out, uh, and like a mastering plugin, like my ozone. Right. Um, it's, it's very, very, very little. People often ask me like, you know, about the baselines I do for the lo-fi tracks. Like, what did you, what plugins did you put on the, on the baseline? I'm like, none, man. Like, it's just, that's just direct in to my like base into my Apollo and like sometimes a little bit of like my pro C, uh, compression, you know, and like a tiny bit of compression. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all about the, the stuff that's going in, you know, um, make sure that you, you're, your sound selection, um, game is, is somewhat on point, you know, like, yeah. uh, be careful about the sounds that are going in, uh, do a little carving on the way, do a little volume adjusting. Um, and then you don't have to do much, uh, at the end of the day. As far as mastering, um, because we could talk about mixing in a, for a whole episode, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I we're just kind of hitting the, <clears throat> the quick, the quick, uh, version of it here, but, and mastering will do the same thing. Mastering, um, is only the process of of finalizing the mix. You're you're not a lot of people mix up mix, mixing and mastering. They think mastering is is another mix, mixing process, and it's not. Um, mastering is really not even a process that is is that uh, is that crazy, especially when you're doing singles where you're just trying to prepare one song to release. It's all. It's just about making sure the volume is right, making sure sure the you know it's got somewhat proper limiting on it, so it doesn't get too loud. And mm-hmm. again, if your mix is good, we mix in this class with no limiter on the master. They have to learn how to mix without going into the red on their master on either program with no limiting on their master tr- channel. So that means they have to use proper compression, proper volumes, because we still have to have a certain level of volume in that master track. So um, what what I'm talking about when we get into mastering is a lot of times we are doing some kind of limiting on the master channel, just to, some kind of light limiting to keep it from going into the red. And also I do a little bit of EQ band um, compressing, I think, uh, with one of my logic. I have two waves plugins, but you know, you could also use ozone uh, from uh, or ozone elements and just get a quick master, uh, almost by preset that it listens and gives you a pretty decent mastering. Uh, I just was telling one of my people in in the mastermind about it because she was wondering how do I master my tracks, I don't understand mastering. I'm like, well, the beauty is with some of the tools out there, you don't, don't really have to, um, especially really if easy. the mix is good, yeah. Yeah, so. they make it really easy. I, I'm a preset guy, I usually like, I usually scroll through Ozone presets and uh, and then make adjustments from there. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't work with the the, the Ozone on, on the track. Uh, you know, I work, I, I make things sound really, really good before uh, I apply the, uh, the, the limiter and make sure that there's enough headroom 
um, yeah, said so that's, I think that's smart teaching people to work without the limiter and like, you know, uh, taking care of some gain, simple gain management issues. It's just gain, it's gain, we call it gain staging where we're just trying to build gain up through the, through the mix. And, and then you have to go and control the trouble spots like kick or snare or vocals <clears throat> with, with gain, but that can all be done. I'm seeing it done by beginners, you know, in this class. And so I kind of love, uh, for a while we were letting them use limiters on the master track, but now I'm not. And it's still, it's teaching them to be smarter with their gain, with their volumes. Yeah. So, but mastering is usually done on the master track and it's usually some kind of form of compression or, or light limiting or something like that. I don't, I'm not a fan of really compressing and EQing to death the master track. No. If no, you're no. having to do that, then you didn't do a good job either recording the instruments or choosing the instruments. Well, I just, I just think, I don't, I just don't like to think of either mixing or mastering as corrective. Uh, right. I just want we to, don't I, fix it in the mix. Yeah, we don't fix it exactly. So, um, yeah, man, I think that uh, that's an over, a good discussion overall. And those are, I mean, if anyone was picking my brain about like essential tips, those would be it. Um, yeah. can't, I'm sure there's other ones, but uh, that, I think we covered a lot of ground. Sure did. Well, thanks everybody, and I uh, hope this was helpful. And we'll see you next week for the podcast. Absolutely. Hit us up in the comments, say hello, yeah. and we'll see you soon. Right. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy, and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.